Star Wars 7x7 episode 3120. In the wake of the season 3 official trailer for The Mandalorian, there was one particular topic that came up in our discussion, the breakdown yesterday that I thought warranted a little more consideration, and so that's what we're going to dig into today. It has to do with Grogu's origins. Punch it. Hey Rebel Razor, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So here's what we know about Grogu's backstory. He was born in approximately 41 BBY before the Battle of Yavin and that means that it would have taken place nine years prior to the events of the Phantom Menace. According to Ahsoka Tano who sat down and was able to communicate with him in some fashion in chapter 13 of The Mandalore and that was the episode entitled The Jedi from Season 2, we find out that Grogu was raised at the Jedi Temple and studied under many masters, and that he was eventually smuggled out of the Jedi Temple, but from that point on, his memory is dark. He doesn't seem to have any information about his whereabouts that he's able to share with Ahsoka, at least. And then... You know, from 19 BBY, we get to 9 ABY and his rescue by the Mandalorian. And as we discussed on the breakdown episode today, it does look like we're going to see how he got out of the Jedi Temple who actually smuggled him out, which is going to be a really interesting situation because is that Jedi still alive or did that Jedi survive? And you know, all the questions. That's 28 years that we don't know. <laughs> about Grogu's life. So yes, a lot of unanswered questions remain. And as far as who is trying to get through the door with the Jedi massing in front of that door in the trailer, well, oh, wouldn't it be funny if it was Anakin Skywalker, aka Lord Vader, as we saw him recreated for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Oh, wouldn't that be something? That, of course, will probably be revealed in a couple of short months, but let's focus on what we do know. So when the Mandalorian actually encounters him, he finds out from Queel in advance that many people have come to try to find out what these Nikto mercenaries have in their possession and all of them have died. We don't know how long this has been going on but apparently it's been a while and whatever this thing is at the time we don't know what the thing is this is all the way back in chapter one of the Mandalorian whatever it is people know that it's exceedingly valuable and it's so valuable that the client, our favorite Warner Herzog, is willing to pay an exorbitant sum in order to get a hold of it. What's unclear though is whether everyone else who's come before actually knows what is in the egg, <laughs> right? I mean, when IG-11 shows up, all he says is that the asset is to be terminated, but he doesn't necessarily say that he knew what the asset was. And that in itself is also an interesting point because IG-11 has a contract saying that the asset's to be terminated. Those were not the Mandalorian's orders. According to the client, He's supposed to bring Grogu in alive, but allows for the possibility that bounty hunting is a complicated profession, that famous line. And so, yes, there are contingencies for, you know, delivery dead, basically. But basically, what we need to know is that the Mandalorian's orders differ from IG-11's orders, which means that somebody else is hunting 
Grogu. And maybe that has to do with all the other folks who have been after Grogu, including the Trandoshans who tried to jump Mando in the second episode right out of the gate. So to summarize the known unknowns, so to speak, the Nikto mercenaries have been hired to protect this asset by someone, a mysterious someone or group of someones, and we don't know who that is. Other bounty hunters have been hired to acquire this asset and to potentially terminate this asset who are not related to the Empire. We don't know who those people or organizations are either. But as we think about that, suddenly Grogu seems like one of the worst kept secrets in the galaxy. And so then we move on to a key conversation that happens in episode 7, The Reckoning, where Din Djarin says to Quill that he thinks perhaps Grogu is a strand cast. Now, without getting too complicated or too far into the weeds about strand casting, think of it this way. Strand casting is like the furthest reaches of genetic manipulation. It is like cloning, except you're also mixing in genetic material from other sources in order to create some kind of new being. Whereas cloning itself is just taking the original genetic material and remanufacturing it, but you may also do things to it, modify it, as the Kaminoans did. I was going to say Kaminoans, but Kaminoans, I think, is how you're supposed to go with that. So what the Kaminoans did with the Jango Fett template, if you will, by modifying for loyalty and other characteristics and also by enhancing the speed of aging and growth development. And I think that's enough said about the subject to help explain where we're going with this, which is to swing back. Din says that he thinks maybe Grogu is a strand cast, but... Coincidentally and helpfully, Quill has worked in gene farms and says that he does not think that Grogu is a strand cast because he looks too evolved and ugly. <laughs> not necessarily a nice thing to say, but you know, at least he's being honest and it gives us the information that we need. If Grogu is not necessarily a strand cast and he is not accelerated in his growth because he's 50 years old and yet very tiny, which is what we would expect from a member of Yoda species, then the other alternative for him, well, there are two, I guess, basically. One is that he was naturally created, whatever natural reproduction looks like for his species. Or the second option, very much like Boba Fett, it's possible that Grogu is a direct and exact clone of some other creature of that species. If that were the case, then he would develop and age naturally, just like Boba Fett did. He would not look engineered, in the words of Quill. But the only way this actually works as a theory is if something rather complex happens in previous Star Wars history. So you may have heard of Jedi Master Sifo Dyas. He's name-checked in Attack of the Clones, and there's more about him that happens in the Clone Wars TV series. Well, Sifo Dyas is the guy who conned the Kaminoans into creating the clone army and saying that it was being done at the behest of the Galactic Republic, even though the Jedi Council didn't want that to happen, and he'd been having these visions about how things were going to go badly wrong in the future, and that the Republic needed an army to be able to protect itself from all these bad things happening. So irony of ironies, of course. But yeah, so the council was not happy with that, didn't want him to do that.
that. And so he had to go off and do it in secret. It's not necessarily clear when he did that. However, it is possible that he did it in a time frame that would allow the Kaminoans to have been the ones to clone a member of Yoda's species. How might they have done that? One presumes that Sifo-Dyas would have had to get some kind of genetic material from either Yoda or Yaddle or both of them in order to make that possible for the Kaminoans. And why would they do that necessarily? Well, here's the thing. There's no indication of how sifo actually planned to pay for the creation of this clone army, right? So they made 200,000 clones with a million more on the way by the time Attack of the Clones happens, and they've also got all this military equipment too, wherever that came from. But how was sifo paying for this when nobody was actually authorizing him to do it? Well, you know, what are the chances that it would be exceedingly valuable for the Kaminoans to get a hold of the genetic material of one of the rarest and also coincidentally most force powerful species the galaxy has known, Yoda's species, Yaddle's species. But then you have to get one actually created and then delivered to the Jedi Temple somehow. So I don't know, maybe the more I think about this, the more or it falls apart, and I appreciate you going along for the ride with me. I've been trying to think this through as we've been talking about this, but you know, it just, it seems like it is a possible answer that they've been sort of hinting at that he is a cloned member of that species, and I suppose the Kaminoans aren't the only cloners in the galaxy, but they're just particularly well known for that. Or maybe Grogu's just the love child of Yoda and Yaddle. <laughs> it isn't any more complicated than that. So those are all the clues we have about Grogu's origin and how wild it would have to get in order for us to consider the possibility that he might be cloned, if not a strand cast, and also some of the very pressing unknown questions about how he came to be in The Mandalorian's company, and that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it, as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited. Other respected trademark and copyright holders may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.